If you haven't already, would you turn in your Bible or your electronic device to 1 Corinthians chapter 11? And our first two references are from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And they help to prepare us for the Lord's Supper. And that first point, and Miss Leslie can put that up on the board for you if you want to fill in the blanks, is that remembering Jesus in the Supper. Remembering Jesus in the Supper. You remember Paul, the Apostle, writing the book of 1 Corinthians. So he's writing to a church at Corinth. And he's addressed many issues among them, many concerns among them. But he's also telling them, here's some guidelines for worship. The church had grown enough that there were many people and maybe they had some issues along the way. Maybe they weren't getting along as well as they should have because they were still human even though they were trying to live like Jesus, just like us. They weren't perfect. Amen? And so he gives them instructions, among other things, about how to receive the Lord's Supper. And he says in verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The bread is a symbol of Jesus' body. He didn't break his literal body and give them a piece of that. He took bread as a symbol of his body. And as we've seen portrayed on the stage right over there, tore that bread and handed it around and each took a part of that as a symbol of his body broken for them. Verse 25 continues, In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. It's a new covenant because as a Jewish person... They had a Passover meal, and there was a cup, matter of fact, multiple cups in that meal, and they each had a meaning, but he's saying of this cup, I'm changing the meaning. There's a new covenant, and it's in my blood, not the blood of lambs. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Again, Jesus didn't literally put blood into the cup. It was wine. And we use grape juice. And it's a symbol of the blood of Christ shed for us, a lamb without blemish or defect. And he says to us, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So your question to consider is, where do we see Jesus in the Lord's Supper? Where do I see Jesus in the Lord's Supper That passage of Scripture goes on in verse 27. And it moves us to our second point for consideration. And that's preparing myself for the Lord's Supper. Preparing myself for the Lord's Supper. Anytime we observe the Lord's Supper, I highlight this part because it's important to me. That I would not be party, that we as a church would not be party to leading you into sin, that we would help guard you from sin. Listen to what it says. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. You may have heard me say before that word worthy that we use in English comes from the Latin worship. It's the same root. 
So if you eat or drink these elements in an unworshipful manner, you do it just because you're hungry, just because everybody else is doing it, or without any thought to your heart being spiritually prepared, you've sinned. So friends, if you're not ready today, if there's something that you're unwilling to forgive or some sin that you're unwilling to confess, don't come down and receive these elements. Nobody's going to know if you stay seated. They're going to be doing their own thing. You focus on your relationship between you and Jesus. Look at it as it goes on in verse 28. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. Notice what it said. A man ought to examine himself. That's why we're taking time with the four sermons leading up to today and even today to highlight the examining of ourselves. This is not about anybody judging you. This is about you judging yourself. You saying, here's what God's standard is and here's where my life is. And am I ready? And am I prepared? And am I willing as we examine ourselves? Verse 29 For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Recognizing the body of the Lord means being intimate with Him, in relationship with Him. It's a symbol for you having trusted Christ as your Savior and having the Holy Spirit within you. Listen to what it says. Verse 30. That's why many of you, if you've done or receive the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. That's why many of you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep, i.e. died. But if if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. So again, if you prepare your heart, you're not going to have to worry about being judged by God because you've judged yourself. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. Because God loves us, He judges us. But because He loves us, He tells us first to judge ourselves. So your question there is, what must I do before the supper? You personally, is there anything you must do to prepare your heart to receive the Lord's Supper in a worthy, worshipful manner? Take a minute to consider that. Are there any known sins you need to confess? If no known sins, ask God if by His Spirit He would reveal to you a sin that's previously been unknown or you ignored. Is there any person you've offended or sinned against you need to seek to reconcile with? Is someone that's sinned against you or offended you that you need to forgive? How do you need to prepare yourself? Our third passage and question for consideration comes from 1 Peter. And that question or that statement is humbling ourselves for the Lord's Supper. When I ask you to prepare yourself and confess and repent and ask God to reveal to you, I'm already asking you to humble yourself. Humbling yourself for the Lord's Supper. And that passage of Scripture is the two verses that are on the screen or in your own Bible. 
And it says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. All of you must clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up. Do you notice in this passage of Scripture that humility is your choice? Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is instructing you to do it, but he's not using humility to claim that God will humble you. He's asking you to choose humility, to clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and trust that He will lift you up. When people are doing wrong to us, we want to respond. When our name has been smeared or they're talking gossip or rumors or anything like that, we want to respond. But maybe we should consider to let God lift us up in due time, in His time, and trust Him and not try to do things ourselves. Demonstrate humility. Your question to apply this third point says, where must I surrender before the supper? What area... In your life, do you need to surrender before the supper? What thing in your life do you need to surrender before the supper? Let's take a few minutes for you to consider that. A final question or point for us to consider together is what comes after the Lord's Supper, and that's living for Jesus beyond the supper. We come together this morning and we worship and you receive the Lord's Supper. Living for Jesus beyond the Lord's Supper. What do you do after today? What do you do later today? Some of us might be tired and want to take a nap. Maybe we should. It's a Sabbath day. Prepare yourself for this evening and coming back. But how do you wake up tomorrow morning when you face that person who's made life so difficult at work? The one that you asked God's help with just a few moments ago. Or maybe you will right now. And that's where 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 comes in. It reminds us, for Christ's love compels us. Compels us. It moves us forward. It moves us to action. Why? Because Jesus loved us. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Because Jesus died for all people, all of us have died to our sins. Verse 15. And He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. My life in Christ must be a life for Christ. That I no longer live for myself, but I live for Him. 
And even when we receive the elements of the Lord's Supper and we take of the cup and take of the bread, symbolic of Jesus' presence in us, it is so that His presence can be through us and for God to love and serve others as they're made in His image. So your question of application is, how can I love after the supper? In consideration of receiving the Lord's Supper today and doing things differently on purpose to have us intimately and deeply consider our personal relationship with Jesus and our relationships with others, how can I love after the supper? What difference will today's worship make in the way you live the rest of today and all next week and the month ahead? Myra's going to come and play one song of invitation for us. And the Walters and the Schmitz are going to be here and they can come now in order to receive you if you'd like to pray with them. This altar is open for you to pray on your own, to bring someone with you to pray, to join one of these dear deacons and their wife or me as you prepare your hearts to receive the Lord's Supper together. Let me pray for us. Our Father in heaven, as we come We thank you again that you're here with us by your Spirit. And that your Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of our hearts. And God, I pray that we've responded out of humility. We've confessed where we've sinned. We've expressed our repentance and desire to turn away from our sins. And we've sought out your healing and grace. Father, if there's a person in this room that knows for certain that they've never trusted Christ as their Savior, that if they were to die today, they're not sure if they would go to heaven. And if they got there, what in the world they might say other than, well, I've been a good person God, I pray that right now that person would confess their faith in Jesus as their Savior and Lord, admitting that they've sinned. And they believe Jesus is your one and only Son. And they would be saved. And Father, for those of us who are believers in Jesus already, we thank you that you're with us as we take this significant and beautiful step in worshiping you. It's in his name we pray. Amen.